the Lord has given us already in church. Um, let's turn in our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 24. And tonight's message is the difference between being saved and of being a Christian. Uh, now today in America, the term is loosely connected and um, Christian, a Christian today um, is not necessarily uh, necessarily saved. You should be a Christian. Um, but the world looks at Christians now and uh, they're not too impressed, are they? Christianity in America today, as far as we know, is, is uh, kind of watered down. Uh, to be saved is one thing, but to act like it is another. Is that okay? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an American, um, and not I'm not proud of all Americans. There's a lot of Americans that I don't really like the way they act. They live in America. They might be a citizen of America, but I, I'm not really proud of all of them. I like to look at myself and say, I'm a true American. And it uh, doesn't matter what race I am. doesn't matter what color I am. I'm an American. Is that right? Is that okay? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm not proud of all Christians either. But I like to look at myself as not the best Christian in the world, but I want to be able to be looked at as genuine, the real McCoy, uh, the, the genuine article. If, I, if somebody looked at me, I would hope that they would say he's a Christian. And uh, so Christianity today, though, in the world's eyes, is not very popular. It's uh, kind of a, uh, a, a laughing matter. It's almost a joke. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, claim to be Christian uh, just so they can make money in, in a big church or uh, for some monetary value or some ladder-climbing politicians love to call themselves Christians, right? Uh, right? Uh, but <clears throat> a, lot, a lot of them um, are genuine, I'm sure. I'm not the judge. But being saved and then acting like a Christian is a is a is a very important matter in the Bible. So tonight, I want you to realize that if you are looked down on in any way, if you're persecuted any way for the cause of Christ, because of your relationship to the Lord, it's something to take uh, take pride in. I guess in a good way, it's something to thank God for. Jesus said, "Rejoice and be exceedingly glad." For so persecuted they the prophets before you. And if they persecuted me, if they hated me, they'll hate you too. So in other words, the, the world looks at Christianity as, as almost a joke. But a real Christian, a real genuine article is a wonderful thing in this world to be. I want to be separated from the world, don't you? I want to be looked at and noticed as somebody that loves the Lord. I think we all ought to work on that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I came in and, um, and I had a, an attitude, maybe even um, looking like, um, uh, let's say, uh, a Hell's Angels biker, you know, not that, not that you can judge by that, but what if I came in and, and I just had a terrible attitude and I hung around with the bad people all the time and I dressed like the bad people all the time and I talked like the bad people do and people that 
have nothing to, uh, to do with Jesus, it, pretty soon you'd wonder if I wasn't just like them, right? But the, the Christian has a uniform. It's, it's uh, found in Ephesians 6. You don't have to turn there, but the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, loins girt about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, <clears throat> the sword of the spirit. Uh, we have um, we have a, a spiritual uniform that we wear. In other words, we wear Jesus. Yes. And a Christian is not just necessarily somebody that's saved, but it's somebody that takes on the persona of the Lord Jesus. And that's what the word means. A Christ-like one. A, a Christian somebody that is one of Christ's. And there's a lot of people that um, don't act like that. I'm not anybody's judge, don't get me wrong. But the Apostle Paul, as we said this morning, what he was, he was a personification of what a Christian really is. He separated himself from the world. <clears throat> he separated himself from all of what could have made him rich and wealthy and prominent and famous and and all that he, he could have gone for a whole different kind of lifestyle but he chose like Moses did to suffer affliction with the people of God and I've said many times the reason that he took punishment so well and persecution is because he dished it out and he, he persecuted others and so when it came around that he now was with them and now he was being persecuted he took it in such a kind manner he never, he, he never got bitter. He never ran from it. He stood right there and took it as he used to watch as um, Stephen was stoned. Now he was stoned. Isn't that amazing? He was holding the coats of the people that he caused to frenzy up and, and get upset. And then, yeah, here, I'll hold your coat. There he is. There's Stephen. Get him. And... Uh, he must have, for a while, felt like he'd done something great for God until God got a hold of his heart. So I think that's why maybe when he was in Lystra and he was under the rock pile, he was willing to take it. You know, I, I, I caused enough trouble in my life that if the trouble comes my way for the cause of Christ, it's okay. I've had my fun. I've had, I've had my days of bullying people and I've had my days of of uh, cursing and I've had my teenage years where they didn't they didn't amount to much and I hope that if the Lord would say uh, I think I'm gonna have to put you through some fire um, I hope I wouldn't run from that amen because a real Christian uh, they, they, they can take it they can take it look look at Acts chapter 24 and verse number 5 and we get uh, begin to see a pattern forming that <clears throat> Paul wasn't the most wonderfully loved person in the whole world. He was looked down on. He was looked down on by many people. Verse number five, uh, while he was <clears throat> uh, in test testimony at, uh, before Felix, um, he said in verse five, or they said against him, we have found this man a pestilent fellow. Isn't that a choice little word? You know what pestilence is? That's where we get the root word, you little pest. Uh, pestilence is, a, is like a scourge. It's a, it, it's a disease. 
It's not a good thing. Pestilent. We found this man a pestilent fellow. Paul was not a pestilent fellow. A mover of sedition. Paul was not a mover of sedition. That's a crime. Um, among all the Jews throughout the world, <clears throat> and a ringleader, they called him a ringleader, of the sect of the Nazarenes. You know what they were calling him? A cult leader. He wasn't a cult leader. He wasn't pestilent. He, he wasn't uh, causing sedition. Look at verse 6. Who also hath gone about to profane the temple. He was not a profane person. He wasn't profaning the temple. He was a Jew. So this is what they looked at him with dis disgust and contempt. <clears throat> it says, whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, Lysias, came upon us with great violence, took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. Now, uh, Paul, once again, he's, uh, he's arrested, he's in trouble, but yet he didn't do anything wrong. And they were looking at him as if he was a ringleader, causing sedition. They, were, they, were, they hated him. Now, that's, that's what's going to happen at some point in our lives, at some time, you're going to have to maybe uh, experience somewhat of, of that same kind of hatred if you are saved for very long and you live for the Lord, at some point, <clears throat> the Bible says, Yea, and all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're never going to get away from it because at some point in your life, as a Christian, you'll have to take a stand. Now, I don't mean you have to go to jail. And I don't mean you're going to have to, you know, uh, lead... Um, a rally downtown. I, uh, I'm intimidated. I'll, I'll honk my horn and say, uh, go Trump. But, um, you know, I'm not so sure I, I have time to go to every rally that is in America. I don't think I could do that. But at one point, uh, sometime, we're going to have to take a stand. And it might be where you never thought. It might be at your job. It might be down where you work. I just don't know. But I know this, that the Apostle Paul was a real Christian. And he took it serious. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So, what is a true Christian? Well, we're, gonna, we're just about to find out. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 through 13. Paul's um, explanation of himself is, is fascinating. He says, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. Did you notice the word spectacle? You know, when you go to a sporting event, you know what they call you? A spectator. Because you are watching a spectacle down on the field. You and I are the spectacle. We're the ones 
that the spectators are watching. And so it's, it's, awful, it's awful good to be a good Christian. It's awful good to stand up for Jesus and let your name be known that you love Jesus Christ. But we are uh, appointed unto death. Uh, we are hated. We are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and, uh, and to men. And the verse 10 says, we are fools for Christ's sake. Oh, there's a lot of people that think we're foolish. For the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto, uh, unto them which are us, us which are saved, it is the power of God. That, that, that event that happened on Calvary 2,000 years ago, that's, your, that's the best day of your life. That's the worst day Satan ever had. And that's the best day that you've ever had. The worst, the worst day that Jesus ever had in his life was how you and I get to heaven. Think about that. The day he died on the cross, his, his worst day was our best day. Satan's best day was when he thought Jesus died. It turned out that that was his worst day because that's when he was defeated. He, Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. And to identify with victory like that is a wonderful thing. Hey, what, whose team are you on? What, what team do you root for? I stopped rooting for the Green Bay Packers a long time ago. I grew up in uh, Trailer Park, and everybody was watching football. And when the Green Bay Packers won two championships in a row, I was a Packer fan. I think I was in the third or fourth grade. I can't remember. It was way back there. I wanted to be Bart Starr, and I wanted to be tough as Ray Nitschke, and uh, I just wanted to be like those guys. I wanted to get that kind of crew cut haircut, you know. Man, those guys were tough. That's when football was really football. That was that was when it was tough. Um, but I'm not a fan anymore of that. It doesn't it doesn't make me excited anymore. Once they started kneeling and getting all political I don't I don't even watch it. I mean I might once in a while but it just did I don't feel like you know by the by the time I'm 63 I should be a man already and so I don't look at those guys oh, boy I want to be like that guy no, I, I don't want to be like any of those guys you know I because they do everything they do is on Sunday I don't want to play football on Sunday unless it's between church anyway I, I don't I don't get enamored with that anymore. I'm I, I have a I have a new uh, a new way to I, I'm a I have a new fan I'm a fan of new things. I I don't get enamored with some of that stuff anymore. You know I have something better. Um, and by the way, they stopped winning. So then I said, well, okay, I'm for the Cowboys now. So for a long time, I was a Cowboy fan. <laughs> Because they had a new house and uh, uh, not new house, but they yeah new house and they had Emmett Smith and all these guys. I was, Man, I want to be like that. As I grew up, then they stopped winning. And then for a while there, when we first moved up here, I wanted to be a Mariner fan because they were winning. They won 118 games, I think, one of the biggest records in their division. I thought, yes, my team. And then they start, started losing. And then they, they sold Ichiro and uh, uh, 
A-Rod got a big contract and all those guys. And I said, okay, I'm done with that. So what I'm trying to say is I like to root for a winning team. And I don't know where one is anymore. So I'm, stop, I'm not going to worry about sports anymore. Because I can't. I can't. Hey, when Michael Jordan stopped playing basketball, basketball's gone. Basketball's over. They don't have, a, they don't have Michael Jordan anymore. And then when, when Tiger Woods stopped winning, I was like, golf's not even fun anymore. I mean, he, when he's playing, not, not to aggrandize anything he'd done, but, I mean, he's a good golfer, and when, when people go to see him, I mean, the whole place is packed out. I, how many, in other words, how many like a winning team? How many like, when, when you go to soccer, don't you like to have your child win? Kick him, kick him. I mean, kick the ball. Kick the ball. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, you, don't you like it when, when your kid's out there and when you have somebody that you love and, and you're, you're a fan? Isn't it great to be on a winning team? Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, when Brother Randy used to lead the singing, uh, after Sunday night, we'd go over to his house. And when he was still single, we'd go over to his house and uh, he, he was the funnest guy to be with. I mean, we, uh, Jordan, Justin, and Jason and I, and Randy used to go every Sunday night during football season. We'd go over to Randy's house, and <clears throat> then we would uh, we'd record the game and cut out all the commercials and just watch football. And uh, all of a sudden, the Seahawks started winning. Well, it was fun. I mean, really fun. Because my wife got involved with it. Then she started coming over, and then at, we were stuffed in his um, front room, and he'd always uh, get a big old huge tray of chicken legs and special sauce and bacon. We had chips and um, all kinds of soda and pizza and snacks <laughs> and chicken. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's go. Let's go home. No. We, he'd cook it up and then get the football game going, and we all sit around and kind of relax and goof off, and we'd be wrestling on his floor and, um, and then watch the Seahawks. And then one time they started winning, and my wife came over, and that's when I think they, they won some great big game. I can't remember what it was. And I think Charity, Charity Randy's wife, uh, they had married, so it was, it was uh, about seven, eight years ago. So we were all in the front room of that tiny little one-bedroom apartment, and we were having the greatest celebration I think we've ever had. We were screaming, and um, we were jumping up and down, and uh, my wife grabbed me, and I grabbed her, and we were dancing around like, yeah, they won, they won, wow! We were high-fiving everybody, and yes! And um, I thought, why am I so excited about a... A football team like that, I'm ashamed of myself. I think we were blowing off steam. <laughs> but, the, but the chicken was good, the food was good, the fellowship was good, and the team that you were rooting for won. That, it, there's something to that. Okay, so that's over. <laughs> My joy is not coming from some football team or some golfer or some baseball team. And, and certainly, certainly not from from sports anymore. I mean, it's fun, but it doesn't meet it doesn't meet what I need. But when I look at the cross and I look at what Jesus did, 
to evil and the devil and, and the victory he won for me and you on the cross of Calvary, now I'm, I'm, I'm rooting. I'm on the right team. And the Bible says we've already got the victory. We're already winners. And, I, and I'm a Christian. I'm not just saved. There's a lot of people going to heaven. They, they don't even go to church. They don't have a Bible. That I, I thank God for anybody that's saved. But I'm a Christian. And you're a Christian with a capital C. A capital C. What does Christianity mean? Well, it means that you follow Christ. The term Christian is not a wonderful term. Do you realize, folks, that when, um, when they first were called Christians in Antioch, do you know that that was not a good term? That was a horrible term for them. That wasn't, oh, they're such wonderful people, they're Christians. No, they already hated Jesus in the world. They already murdered him. They already hated, they called the uh, sedition and sect leaders and, and rebel rousers and, 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 and people that... Uh, ringleaders and all oh, these these off scouring the Bible that uses the word off scouring that's what you do when you clean off a pot in your sink you scour the dish and you throw the refuse away that's what they thought Christians were back then it wasn't an enduring term then they were first called Christians in Antioch um, by the way I don't care if somebody has a bumper sticker on their bumper that looks like a fish that doesn't make a person a Christian. And I don't care if somebody has a necklace on with a cross on it. That's, that's, their, that's their business. That doesn't make them a Christian. And I don't care if somebody goes to church. That doesn't make them a Christian. Um, if, if people carry a Bible, that does not make them a Christian. And it's a good thing to do, but that's not what makes us Christians. Going to, going to church is pretty close, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, to be a Christian... You have, your heart has to be with the Lord. Amen. Your heart has to be with Him. You can be saved, but to be a Christian is to give your heart over to Him and uh, uh, submit and uh, surrender to Him and have a relationship with Him. Personal. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 11. <clears throat> It's wonderful to go the extra mile and instead of having people wonder about whether or not you believe in the Lord, it's awful good to just go ahead and make it something that is sure, right? Leave no doubt in your, in your neighbor's minds what you stand for. Let them have absolutely no doubt. Let your, your employer know without any doubt, not only by what you say, but the kind of job you do. Uh, they put up with me for a long time because I was a good worker. And I knew that if I didn't do my job well, it would reflect on the Lord. So I knew that if I did my job very well and very accurate and on time and show up and be honest and not, and not cheat the clock, and all the different things that God expects of a good worker, they would never have anything that I did that they could blame on Jesus. Ah, you Christian, you, you cheat on your taxes, and you do this and that, and you show up late, 
and you and you and you cheat on your time card or whatever. <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure that if I was going to be at a job before I got to serve the Lord full time, that at least that they'd have nothing to blame me for. Absolutely blameless. That even though I was um, maybe working at a warehouse or maybe maybe I would throw sacks of concrete. Uh, I, I worked as a, a tile deliverer. I, I worked as a window cleaner. Oh my goodness, I was a janitor for a while, I was a delivery boy. I, all these different jobs, um, landscaping and all kinds of different things before I ever uh, found out what I, I worked at the shipyard. I, but every time I had a job as a, as a Christian, I knew that my, my relationship with the Lord was on the line and I could make Christianity look bad. I could make my church look bad. I could make Jesus look bad. And if I, if, if I didn't do what was right and honest and, 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 and steady and consistent, uh, then I wouldn't be much of a Christian. Christians aren't perfect, are they? But they try hard, don't they? Christians aren't, they're not perfect, but they, they, they don't hang around with the wrong crowd. Christians are Christians. Saved is saved, but Christians are different because they go a little farther. They give their lives to the Lord. Um, turn with me to Acts chapter 11, verse 19. <clears throat> it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice uh, and Cyprus and Antioch. Antioch was a wonderful town, a wonderful city where, where there was a hub. It was a missionary church. Preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, uh, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So you have Jerusalem, and then northern, north of Jerusalem, you have Antioch of Syria. All the persecution that happened in in Jerusalem, uh, listen closely now, it spread Christians everywhere. And all it did was spread the gospel. All it did was increase the gospel. There was a few saved, and then a few more, and then the day of Pentecost, there was 3,000 saved. But after that, the persecution went, and multitudes began to come to the Lord. Now, Antioch was a place of refuge. Antioch was a headquarters for the gospel as the persecution in Israel was taking place. They kind of migrated north and the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the fire was burning brightly again in Antioch. And when the apostle Paul took his uh, missionary journeys, he took three or four, probably five by the time he died, but three main journeys all headquartered in the town of Antioch. This Baptist church in Antioch, you say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. How, what makes you think it was a Baptist church? There wasn't any other kind. Amen. Everybody know that? Mm -hmm. 
Did you know the Roman Catholic Church never got started for 300 years? What other kind of church was there? You can go ahead and say it if you want. <laughs> if you don't, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> what kind of church was it? It was a Baptist church. Why do we say that? Because the Bible says it. You say, where does it say that? That's the only kind there was. They didn't sprinkle babies. They didn't uh, save people by any other way than the gospel. And there wasn't any other kind of church available. There wasn't any, um, you, you look at all the different kinds of churches. When did they get started? Okay, when did the Nazarenes get started? When did the Episcopalians get started? When? And there's a wonderful book that you can get. It is fascinating about the birth of the, um, of the different kinds of churches. You wonder about, um, uh, oh my goodness, there's so many different kinds of churches. Well, uh, it's when did the Catholic Church start? When when did the Mormons start? When did the Jehovah's Witness get started? When when did uh, uh, the, the Nazarenes get started? When did the Lutheran Church get started? Who started all these churches? When did they get started? What was the date? Who was the head of the the main man from which they got started? Everything's after the time of Jesus Christ, and yet Jesus said, "Upon this rock, I'll build my church." And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And they went everywhere preaching the Bible. And guess what? They baptized people on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people uh, were added unto the Lord. Added unto the church. The Bible says, um, they that gladly received his word were baptized. Do you understand? What kind of church was it again? <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it a Lutheran church? It's okay. Come on, I'm trying to encourage you. Remember the message this morning? What Was it a Methodist church? No. No, no it wasn't. Was it a Mormon church? No. Uh, this is getting better. Uh, what, what kind of church was it again? Yeah. A Baptist. You said, oh, you're, you're one of those really radical guys. Yeah, I am. So what, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? I'd be ashamed. Uh, honestly, listen, you can't take a kid from a trailer park that's ruining his life and never been to church and with an open heart, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Why did God in, uh, take me and plug me in to a radical fire-breathing Baptist church when I, when I was 19 years old? Why did he do that? You say, oh, you made a bad mistake, Pastor. You could have been Episcopalian. You could have been a, you could have been a soft-spoken, wonderful something else. I, you could, uh, listen, I, 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 all I know is I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't want to live this way anymore. Would you please just take my life? And you know what he did with it? He put me in a really fantastic wonderful bunch of people and then he gave me a wonderful book and he said now start acting like a christian i gave you the real stuff right i gave you i gave you good friends i gave you a wonderful wife i gave you a good family i gave you good friends i gave you good preaching i'm bringing you all these different places you've heard all these wonderful men of God, and you've heard the best singing in the world. You've heard choirs and specials. You've been to camp meetings. You've had the most wonderful Christian life. 
Now, I, want, I don't want you to just throw it all away. I want you to live like that. Amen. I want you to live like that. But we better thank God we're Americans. Amen? Amen. We better thank God we're in this American country. By the way, if you're here, you can, you can be thankful. Amen. Do you realize where you are? Do you realize what you're doing here? You're living in America. It's something to praise God for. And I thank God for every, every single person that says, okay, Lord, thank you. What else do you want me to do? Like the Lane family. You know what they did? They said, Lord, what do you want us to do? I want you to go to Honduras. You've been blessed. I've got, I've got every, you've, you've done well. Now I want you to take everything you know, and I want you to go to Honduras. Those are the heroes. They're sacrificing everything they've got in America and going to a country. And boy, I tell you what, Honduras is not the greatest place in the world to live. They got a lot of issues down in that country. But if you're in the Lord's will, you're safe. Isn't it amazing how God can get his work done and yet he's given us so much? You know what America needs? We need to get back to God. We need to get our hearts right with God as a country. You know what's going to happen to our country if we don't? Same thing as every other country. It's going to go right down to the trash heap just like every other country ever has. If God judged other countries, he'll judge this one. We're nothing special. We're not, we're not here because we're good. We're here by the grace of God. And I want to be a real Christian. When God starts to judge this country, I might go down with it. But you know what? I want him to know that I believe in him. I want him to know I love him. And I want him to know that I have, have done my best. And we as a church have done our best. Amen. So we, if God gives us revival, amen. I'm, I'm hoping for that. But it's time for Christians to stand up. It's time for us to, to, to go the extra mile. Let's look at verse 23 in chapter number 11 of Acts. Who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. We're talking about Antioch. Remember that city Antioch? Look at verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, for to seek Saul. Now Saul had been saved already. Now Barnabas is going to go get him. And when he found him, guess where Barnabas brought Saul, who was later called Paul? Where did he bring him? What kind of church was that? Oh, you lost it. <laughs> you lost your fire. What kind of church was that in Antioch? Baptist. A Baptist church. What kind of church did Jesus start? Baptist. A Baptist church. Where's the best place for the Apostle Paul to learn how to be a good Christian? Antioch. <laughs> okay, you got to stay with me now. And, then, and so then, <laughs> oh, nobody has much fun as I do. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass... That a whole year they, what? Assembled. assembled themselves. That means they went to church. 
It was a regular church service. Every Lord's Day, that's Sunday, the first day of the week. An example that the apostles set, that Jesus set for them. The resurrection day is Sunday, the first day of the week. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we don't have church on Saturday. You have church anytime you want to. It doesn't matter. You can have church seven days a week. But on the first day of the week, Jesus met with them in the upper room. And they celebrated his resurrection on the Lord's day. And that's what they were doing. They assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Now watch this. Can you all read this with me? And uh, if you do, we'll, we're almost done. Would you read it out loud with me? We'll start with the word and. Ready? And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. There's something to that. Why did it take so long for these people that loved Jesus to be called Christians? Because they already started a church in Jerusalem. Is that right? I think because of all that persecution, they were scattered. And when they formed up and began to work again in Antioch, there was such fire and such excitement and such power and the people were getting baptized. The people were learning the Bible. The apostle Paul was not called to go back to Jerusalem. Barnabas brought him to Antioch to get discipled. He was discipled in the Antioch Baptist Church. That's right. I know you're going to get me on that, but I, I, I think I can prove it. I know I can prove it. But where did Paul go? Well, he went to Antioch. And also, when he started off in his preaching ministry, he went from Antioch and came back to Antioch. Then they got uh, had some questions as to what doctrines were to be preached, and they had a question. They went to the apostles. They got the answer. Uh, they went back to Antioch, and he took another wonderful big trip. And several churches all over Europe and uh, uh, in, in Asia, uh, Ephesus and Thessalonica, and you have Berea, and you have um, uh, Philippi, and you have Corinth, and all these churches all over. Uh, those were started by the Apostle Paul's team. They went out, they got the gospel going as never before. And uh, there were three main missionary trips that he took. And every time he got done with a trip, guess where he ended up? At the Antioch Baptist Church. Because he was discipled there. He learned how to read, um, or he learned how to uh, interpret the New Testament. And then all the revelation that he got to. Listen, we have, a, we have a miracle bunch of people that we're related to. They were first called Christians in Antioch. One of the greatest, uh, I guess, labels that you could ever have is to be called a Christian. Amen. Somebody that loves Jesus Christ. And tonight, I want to be a true Christian. I hope you do too. I, I want to be able to go anywhere in this world and be known as a Christian. I want to be able to have that testimony. 
someone who assembles themselves with God's people. A love for Christ, a love for others, and a love for the church. Those three main things are why they were called Christians. They had a love for Jesus Christ. They had a love for other people. Because so many people got saved, they added to the church. Many were saved. And then they had a love for the church. You say, where's that church now? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going to happen to Evergreen Baptist Church 100 years from now. It doesn't matter. What matters is today. What matters is what we call ourselves. Tonight, I just want to encourage you, as I said this morning, be a true Christian. Have a, an extreme love for Jesus and have a, an extreme love for one another. But have an have a extreme love also for your church. What if, what if I got sick tomorrow and what if I died? I hope your Christianity has really nothing to do with me. I hope that you would be able to take this church and march forward and keep going and, and, and just keep right on serving Jesus Christ. That's the danger of being a pastor. It is a terribly dangerous thing because people count too much on the pastor and not on the Lord. I want you to look at me as nothing more than a messenger and a brother and a helper and a servant if I can help anybody. But I don't want you to, I don't want you to ever lift up the pastor as more than just a man and more than just a man of God. I want, I want you to be able to say, man, I love the Lord, I love others, and I love church. You know what? When I go on vacation, I go to church. I am a fanatic. In fact, I wasn't always really feeling all that well today, and my wife says, oh, you got to cancel services. I ain't canceling services. I can't do that. I don't care. How many ever heard this? Your boss says, I don't want you calling in. I want you to crawl in. <laughs> Stuff like that. No, but no you, you, just, you, just, you just have to put a, a, a great importance on what the Lord's doing. Because he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have seen God bless Evergreen Baptist Church in such a great way. And I hope that, not to judge anybody, but tonight, if you feel like you could be a better Christian, then go for it. Give it all you got. Let's bow our heads for prayer.